Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Gateway Rescue Mission, meeting the physical and spiritual needs of the homeless right here in Jackson, Mississippi. Check us out at www.gatewaymission.org. This is Rebecca Turner, and thank you for listening to the Good Things Podcast here on Super Talk Mississippi. It's Mississippi's Radio Happy Hour. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. You're listening to Good Things with Rebecca Turner. Well, I'm going to Mississippi, Mississippi, here I come. Bringing you the good stories of Mississippi's people, places, and things to do. Now, now, here's Rebecca. Afternoon, Super Talk Mississippi. You're tuned into your radio happy hour. That's the good things. I'm your host, Rebecca Turner. Don't forget you can listen to good things. We are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Super Talk Mississippi app. You can always find us too on your local Super Talk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch good things. We are on your computer or your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. You'll see I'm not in the studio today. We are coming to you live from the MSU campus. We're bringing awareness to all the good things that cast child advocacy studies training is doing and our first guest up to tell us a little bit more is miss patty marshall she is with the children's advocacy centers of mississippi she's a board member and she is formerly and retired working with the attorney general's office adding that retired part because patty first welcome thank you the second part is you are as someone who is retired you've obviously done your public service and then also professional you've decided to stay in the game you've decided to continue on as a board member into something you're obviously passionate about so Let's talk about the Children's Advocacy Centers of Mississippi. What do they do? And then a little bit of how you found your way there uh, to be led as a board member. Certainly. I'm so happy to be with you today. Uh, I've been around CACs basically my entire career. Uh, I started out uh, representing uh, Department of Human Services, uh, Division of uh, Social Services, doing child abuse litigation many, many, many years ago, over 30 years ago. And so I was in the courtroom and uh, worked with uh, the advocacy centers, the advocates who would do the forensic interviews of the children that uh, they would see but due to an allegation of uh, abuse. And they were instrumental in uh, making the case to the court uh, about what was in the best interest of, of that child. Which is a, definitely a good thing. It's a tough topic. You know, obviously here we keep it light and, light and fluffy all, uh, most of the times, but sometimes we have to dig into the good work that goes unseen. And sometimes, and the more that I learn about the Child Advocacy Centers, you think, man, what tough work it has to be done, but what rewarding work, right? Like somebody needs to be doing it. It has, the light has to be shined on the things that they are, in the children and the circumstances that they are helping. Extremely rewarding. Uh, uh, being that voice for that child, uh, not only in the courtroom, but uh, uh, with the families to be able to to ensure that uh, what's going on with that child is truly in the best interest of that child. It's extremely rewarding work, and the and the people that, that do this work, I, I admire greatly. And uh, as I say, I, I, I worked my way up in the Attorney General's office, and at the end, I was uh, over the Bureau of Victim Assistance, and the, the Children's Division was one of my divisions, and uh, I, I, I could 
I saw the work of the Children's Advocacy Centers up close in the courtroom and then later on in my career saw the real advantage of having the Child Advocacy Centers across the state and really being that voice for children. Well, anyone who's working in that center and then also anyone who is called into social work or beyond, I mean, it really is like a calling. And I think a lot of folks tend to shy away from it because they don't always understand it or how it can sort of fold into their own professions, which brings us to what we're here to talk about today, which is this training that the Child Advocacy Centers of Mississippi has sort of created or helped put out there. And it's called CAS. Yes. So you hear that a lot today, but it's Child Advocacy Studies Training. So let's talk about this training. What is the mission of this particular training? Great. It's, it's really to give people the tools that they need so when they go out into practice, into child welfare, they know exactly what they're getting into. Uh, For a little background, um, I I worked with, when when Jim Hood was the Attorney General, I I worked with him, and and, uh, one year he was head of the National Association of AGs, and at their conference that year, Victor Veith spoke, and Victor is someone that I have admired my entire career. He's just a remarkable child advocate. And so when General Hood was on his way back from the conference, he called me and he said, Patty, uh, I just heard a presentation by a man named Victor Feith. Do you know him? And I said, yes, sir. I've admired him my entire career. And he said, well, how would you like to work with him here in Mississippi? And I said, it would be the chance of a lifetime. It would be a career fulfilling to be able to work with Victor. And he said, well, get, get a group together. And we have an opportunity to uh, see what we'd like to do with Victor in the state of Mississippi. And so uh, I picked up the phone and called Carla Tide, CACs, and uh, p- picked up the phone and called Kim Shackelford at uh, CPS and and we got together and we said what do we really need what what could be the most beneficial to work with Victor here in Mississippi and what we all saw is that if we could have a well-trained well uh, qualified workforce coming into CPS from the very beginning that would be something that would really change the landscape in Mississippi. And so that's how we we came about with CAS. So kind of having that foundation already there of what they're getting into, right? So it's not so much like train the trainer that you're going out. You are are actually folding back into their education, preparing them for what they're going to be launched into, kind of giving them, you know, I guess it's boot camp? Uh, Well, it's it's a whole college curriculum. Uh, Some of the colleges and universities will actually have a minor in CAS. Others will have just CAS courses. Uh, I can speak from uh, a CAS course that I was a, a guest speaker at, um, and uh, it was a it was wonderful because in that classroom, and it's an undergraduate classroom, you'd have students who were social work majors, you'd have students who were law enforcement majors, those are going into nursing, those are going into education. All different fields that will touch a child's life. And to be able to be all in that class together, learning the same terminology, learning the, uh, what, what really CPS and social workers out in the field do and why they do it and what the mission is. I mean, it just establishes a background 
background for them to go on into their careers understanding child protection services. And to me, uh, you know, so many years I would work with uh, multiple disciplinary uh, task force, and we'd all sit around and and. You know, sometimes we were talking over each other because some of the terms that we would use, another discipline wouldn't use, and they they would think of it in a different respect. When you're in the classroom, all learning those terms and all learning that mission together, you come out with that knowledge, which is priceless. Well, it's like taking all of them and put them in a silo so they all understand the same thing. Yes. And then also, too, when you, you mentioned the term, Patty, uh, or just simplified it down to, like, child advocate, and then it, it dawned in me, like, well, we all want to be that, right? All, like, all of us. Everybody wants to be a child advocate. We may not want to work for the advocacy centers with, you know, immersed in, you know, the details of every case, but I don't think there's not a single person listening to good things that would say, I would, I would want to be able to advocate on behalf of a child. So now if you have this training and you know all the lingo and the code words, you're going to be able to be like, you know, pick up on things more in your own everyday profession. Be more confident in calling a spade a spade if, you are, if you've if you got some issues. And then knowing who to contact with. Is exactly. That, is that kind of, yeah. Oh, you're, uh, exactly. It's boot camp. It's just less physical. <laughs> all the lingo they're learning you know sort of all the things but, and then they you know they, they let them out into you know into the rest of the military but it feels like you're you're creating a force you're creating that's going out exponentially and then they have this skill and this training just is sort of back there and then it makes it all more effective and then when you think about it in terms of you know I, I, i'd always tell the social worker when i when i'd have him or her on the stand testifying in the courtroom i had the easy job i was the one standing up there asking the questions they were the ones on the hot seat they were having to justify what they may have done at 2 a.m when nobody else is around and and they're trying to do what's what's in the best interest of that child and then they're getting cross-examined about it you know two years later i mean it's, it's a very stressful, very intense job. So can you imagine the first time that a social worker has to knock on the door that they have that child's life in their hands? Wouldn't it be wonderful to be able, as Cass does, to have that mock house where the first time they knock on the door isn't welcome through it. It, it they 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 can make mistakes and they can learn from their mistakes and then it can be critiqued and and they can understand exactly what will happen in a wor- real world world scenario just like being in the courtroom who wants to be in the courtroom the very first time again when you have a life a child's life in your hands wouldn't it be nice to be in a mock courtroom where you're being prepared by professionals on how to effectively testify patty i still say it's boot camp because they go through all the all the training and all the skills and learn so then when they get out into the you know the real front lines they know exactly what they're doing and it all comes their training comes back to them so this is great stuff thank you for your time stick with us though we've got so much more on cast that's child advocacy studies training if you'd like to donate you can text give to 601-476-1222 but stick with us more good things up next
upbeat, positive, and stories that make you smile. This is Good Things with Rebecca Turner on Super Talk Mississippi, the Super Talk app, and at supertalk.fm. Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, you can find us on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. Again, you'll see we're not in the studio today. We are coming to you live from the MSU campus to bring awareness to all the good things that CAST, that is Child Advocacy Studies Training, is doing. And I hope by the end of the show, you not only know what CAST stands for, but you understand it fully. And to continue in our conversation, we've got Shannon Warnock. She's the Executive Director of External Affairs with Mississippi Child Protection Services with us. And you are part of or the Mississippi Child Protection Services is part of that multiply disciplinary team that we're learning that's all coming together across the state to be uh, advocates for children, which I think is definitely a good thing. And I think that's the thing, Shannon, I'm taking a part of this is as we're listening and sort of um, putting all the pieces together of how CAS works and how the children Children's Advocacy Centers of Mississippi work too, is we're just building a force. We're just trying to get a force in Mississippi that has um, advocating for children at the heart of it. And I think we can all get behind that because that's what you guys do every single day at child protective services now that can be a four-letter word for some people when they hear cps right i know you probably you haven't you've heard that before but when you come across folks who are like what is it that you guys do how do you sort of sum it up and sort of share the work that y'all do every day well, thank you for asking. I think that's a very important question, and it is a misnomer. People think that all we do is take children away from their parents, and that is not what we do. What we do is we try to protect children from difficult, dangerous circumstances, and um, reunification of children with their families, with their parents, with their kinfolk, that's the priority and um, as long as we can do that safely in conjunction with the courts and all of the other supportive systems in our community, that's what we want to do. If it cannot be that a child can be with a family member, um, then we look for other options, foster families, ultimately adoption, if um, um, if that's what we have to do to keep a child safe. But um, we have in-circle programs. We have supportive programs that help keep families together. Um, we work with the courts. We work with a lot of other uh, community partners to try to help keep families united in all of the cases where we can. And hopefully, too, ha- prevention of it happening or it being a generational sort of thing or, you know, a cycle kind of thing. I mean, there's so much good work that uh, the Child Protection Services does, and unfortunately, sometimes it's just, you know, you do, it's a hard job, like it's, and it's not a fun topic, but like you want at least somebody out there that's got the child's uh, best interest at mind. And what we're learning today is there's a lot of folks out there, a lot of different programs uh, that have the child's best interest at mind and the more people we can get as child advocates then the more children we're going to be able to help the more light that shined on it hopefully the less 
you know, we'll see a prevalence of it, a long-term thinking. Obviously, that's casting the wide vision of it. And that brings back the cast. Ah, look what I did there. Cast child (laughs) advocacy study training, which is helping get more into the force, the workforce of being child advocates, not creating a new workforce. It's creating a force within the workforce that can see that. From your perspective, Shannon, working there at the Child Protection Services on a daily basis, what kind of like lifeline are these type of trainings? Oh, they're critical. They are critical, particularly this one um, specifically, has helped us to Um, broaden the horizons of many of those who come to work for us social work itself is a very difficult job it's a it's a vocation where one is called and to have young people coming out of colleges university higher ed who have had the experiential learning and the opportunity to maybe work through simulations of a, a mock trial or a mock courtroom circumstances or even to go into a a home with actors where they go through role play and see what it's really like to make a call and to investigate abuse, neglect, or exploitation is critical. It helps us to, um, it helps those social workers, um, young, young new social workers, I should say, inexperienced, so to speak, come out of school maybe and better leverage their education because they're, um, they're more prepared. We are hearing that from um, our workforce is telling us those who have been through this program or have the certification um, that they are more prepared because of those simulations and those classes that are specifically designed to help them understand what's expected and how to participate in a multidisciplinary investigation with law enforcement, nursing, educators. So it's I, I think that this this program itself is critical to maybe helping us continue to retain good workers and recruit even more prepared social workers. I just keep thinking the word coming to mind is building confidence, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, no matter what your field of profession is, the first, you know, the first time you you graduated and you got on the job, it's like, you know, you got Bambi legs. It's like you're nervous. You feel a little, you know, and then, but then imagine if your job is having to knock on a door or having to go to a courtroom or having to do these like tough things within your first couple of weeks of, of work, which social workers often have to do. I mean, and then you don't want to like, you don't want to screw that up. What do I do with my hands what do I say you know how do I not do it wrong and you definitely don't want to affect the child uh, any more than they already have been it's such a delicate situation I would be the type that'd be like yes run me through all the things I want to know like you know all the if ands or buts that could come and I feel like you know most would feel that way so how long has cast child advocacy studies training um, been available or been out Carla <laughs> How long have we had cast uh, crash training? So 2015. Okay, so it's yes. been several years now. So now we have we're seeing the fruits of the labor. Yes, um, from it. As I understand, it began here at Mississippi State mm-hmm. University, and there are at least four certificate programs already, and maybe five minors in development. I'm I'm kind of looking for some. I'm looking for my cheat notes right here. No, but that's I'm fine. Her sure. name is Carla. She's wearing a beautiful top. <laughs> But I think it's good to know if anyone's listening, like, and thinking of going into social work, or maybe they're having a second calling in life, but they don't, you know, they have fears or reservations about coming in. To me, knowing that there would be training like this would help me break down those barriers of, of feeling more confident, going back to that word confident, to, to maybe go into it. Because I just would be one that wouldn't want to screw it up. Like, that would be where I would come from as a professional. Like, I just don't want to make it worse. And 
I completely understand that. I do not work with children and families on a daily basis in my role at the agency. But understanding the significance of the decisions that you make as a caseworker is very daunting. And so I think confidence is important because when you make a decision, it's it's a very important decision. It's either a decision to take a child from a parent or a decision to tell the court you know, the totality of the circumstances. And um, it is a daunting decision, especially if you don't have a lot of life experience, even as a parent yourself, or um, just coming out of, of school and looking for a new, you know, approaching any new job. Confidence and the level of confidence that one can get from a program like this is important. It's also important for those that maybe feel that call or feel that tug or for whatever reasons, myths or just hearsay or whatever about being a caseworker, they've shunned away from it. I would say, Shannon, tell them their best plea that there's caseworkers that are needed every day and that you're doing the Lord's work even though it's hard hard work. So if someone is interested in that field, I mean, what do you say to them to not look past it? I, I do believe it's a calling. And I do think that the people who come to work with us to help children and help families are some of the most important people in our community. And doing the Lord's work is a good thing. We've got um, a wonderful workforce um, a workforce wellness director and a good solid team of people who really surround our workforce and make every attempt and effort to um, give them what they need to be well trained, to be appreciated, to understand the importance of self-care. And um, I, th- I think that anyone who wants to help children should have the opportunity to work with us. We are doing the most important work for children in our community. Educators are important. Medical professionals are important. But for some specific children in our state, I think that the caseworkers we have working with us are doing the most important work. And And we love to have more people come and interview, do an internship with us. We offer that so you can see if this is really what you are. What kind of degree do you need to do that? Is there a social work degree? Oh, yes. There are social work degrees. One can get a, one should um, work towards licensure as a social worker and um, also there are master's level social work um, opportunities and we have um, opportunities through our agency and we will help you work towards your master's licensure through um, scholarships um, but we will take people with um, sociology degrees psychology degrees we will even take folks with business degrees we'll, we'll where take can we you. go for more information um our 1-800-222-8000 number is our hotline for reporting neglected children. But if one calls there and says, I'm interested in a job, we've got, we'll get you to the right person. And our website is mdcps.com. All right. Well, thank you so much for your time, Shannon. You guys stick with us. We've got so much more good to tell you about CAS. That's Child Advocacy Studies Training coming up next here on Good Things. Rebecca Turner. She looks healthy and sane. Good things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. 
Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, we are streaming live over at supertalk.fm. We're also streaming from the Supertalk Mississippi app. You can always find us, too, on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. And you can watch us. We are on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Supertalk TV. Again, not in the studio today. We are live from the coming from the MSU campus. We are bringing awareness to all the good things that cast. Hope you've learned that at least word today and what it means. Child Advocacy Studies training is doing. And we finally got us a student in the seat. So we are going to really figure out how this casting works out. we got Sophia uh, Manley. She is a cast student from Mississippi State University, a graduate, now alumni. You did work for Sally Kate Winters, but now you're here. You're back on campus. Thank so, you. well, congratulations. Thank you. It's a lot, you know, a lot to, in terms of education and graduating and finding a job mm-hmm. and all the things Absolutely. and then finding your way back. So we've been learning today about uh, Mississippi Child Advocacy Centers in Mississippi, how they created CAST and trying to figure out how this all comes together to better uh, the force for being advocates for children, which I think is a good thing. So let's talk about your story and how it works. How did you find out about CAST and then find your way into the training? So I started at, through Mississippi State back in 2017 in the uh, HGFS program, um, and I initially was a child life um, major, so I wanted to work in hospitals with kids, um, and as I was going through the school, um, my advisor actually mentioned these classes, and I hadn't heard of them before, um, and I was like, you know, there's one more certificate, like, I guess I'll take it, um, and then I ended up just absolutely falling in love with the program. It, it was so... Probably my favorite classes I took. Um, we, we take a couple, and they're all, you know, trauma informed, and you're doing simulations on um, different scenarios of trauma and how different MDT teams can go through the process. So that's kind of how I learned about it, and that's what led me eventually to kind of switch my career path idea and go to Sally Kate, and then end up back here. So you weren't even necessarily interested in that way. You were just more interested in what the training could provide you, mm-hmm. which I think is also something uh, that uh, potential students need to hear or those that have college students in these different realms at home or maybe you just sent them off to university is that you don't have to want to be just a social worker it's not mm-hmm. just for that it's not just for a certain thing if any of this being trauma informed or sort of better understanding you know how this all plays if you think that would play a part in in your career or profession at all then this could be an added value to your education because like you said i mean you get a certificate at the end it mm-hmm. can go on your resume not yep. that it should all be about building your resume but at the same time, you got to build that resume. Absolutely. And why not do it and get credits at school? Mm-hmm. So, okay, so let's talk about some of the simulations. That has to be, even though you know it's mock and it's not real, is it, a, is it awkward? Um, it's definitely tough because for the most part, you know, where you're just kind of learning about it. And in this, you're playing the roles in the simulation. So we have actors so um they had the students and some of the teachers would come in um and we would act out these scenes that were given and we're not given a script we're just kind of given a scenario and we kind of play off of that um and so it's definitely hard because you know you're putting yourself in these shoes um and it's it it is kind of awkward you just don't you don't know where each day is going to take you um but they were really awesome because a big part of why we do the simulations is that, you know, we're in the safe environment of a classroom. You can make a mistake. Um, that's what they tell us. You know, there's no wrong answers in this room. So that's not what you're getting graded on. Right. Because right. in my mouth, I'd say something wrong. I'd be like, oh, I made it up. No, absolutely not. Um, so what they do is, well, you know, act out the scenes and then you, you'll get in groups and you do what we call the PBL. So you go through all the facts of the simulation. You'll write down your hunches and your hypothesis, um, any questions for learning skills, and then you'll go into your next step. So where do we want to go in the next class for the simulation? 
And again, you know, there's no, you kind of are just throwing out, you know, what did we learn in the simulation? So what do we know that they said for a fact? Um, and what do we think that means for this scenario? How many were in your class, Sophia? Um, I'm trying to think. Uh, Ish. Probably. I I don't need the role. (laughs) (laughs) Probably around like 20-ish, maybe a little bit more. And then we had a few of us that would come up and act. So not everyone had an acting role. Could you see like as the, as the semester or, or as the different semesters went on that the, the people's sort of guards also softened? Because I would assume in any kind of training like this, you know, everybody comes in, it's a little awkward. And then as you're putting these different scenarios, you start to see people's sort of shells break, break through. but then also barriers sort of break down when you start to realize, hey, this is real world stuff. It kind of softens and toughens you in sort of the same way. Absolutely. Yeah. You can kind of see where, you know, some of your bias comes in when you're reading a scenario of, you know, this is the, these are the, this is the information that you have. Like, I am going to assume that this person did it for this reason. Um, and so you kind of see towards the end of like, oh, you can't just come in with these with all these assumptions of who these people are. Like, you really have to learn the facts. And that's what was so great about this program is it really made you stop and think about, you know, what am I bringing into these situations? Um so, yeah, you do see a change in, in students across the semester. Well, what you just said there, to Sophia, also makes me recognize why this would be an important addition for so many other professions, whether it's in healthcare, nurses, doctors, med students, to sort of get it. Even if that's not what they're going to do on their everyday basis, they're going to come across situations where they're just going to go ahead and assume mm-hmm. or not know how to then, I guess, report and then just go home with that sort of on their mind or find themselves in a scenario where, you know, they are having to confront some, you know, uh, unfortunate family member scenario or whatever it may be. So for any, I guess, profession that would fit the right bill for this, what is sort of your, um, I guess, encouragement for them to think past just your traditional, you know, steps or your traditional sort of electives to think outside the box and look at this certificate as an, because is it, is it a, is it a minor? Is it, can you do an elective? Like, how was it for you? If for, when I went through the program, it was, um, a certain number of classes and you got the TICA certificate, so the trauma-informed um, certificate, child advocacy certificate. Um, so that's how I you know, went through it. And you can take some of the classes and not get a certificate as well as you want. Um, even going through the program when I was an undergrad, I remember, I think, probably the first class thinking, like, wow, I kind of wish everyone was required to take these because, you know, at some point we're all going to interact with a child in our life. Um, so registering, you know, signs and symptoms of abuse and what to look out for and how that, you know, everyone in the state of Mississippi is a mandated reporter. Um, and so making sure you know the steps and how to do that. Um, so I do think it is important for, you know, anyone to kind of know all this information um, and to just be aware, like, in different scenarios, what to look out for. Well, and that's what I was talking to Miss Patty earlier when she said she used the simple term child advocate. And I, I mean, and that's, but I think we all want to be that. I don't know anybody who doesn't want to be a child advocate, even, at, you know, at their core. You may not want to get all messy in the middle of it and hang out everybody's dirty laundry or really mm-hmm. get in the, but you want to be able to see something and then, you know, what know what to say or see something say something sort of thing um, but then when you think about any profession that does touch the public and I as a dietitian just am in the healthcare field so I sort of see that but you think teachers you think you know um, family psychology I mean you just think all all around you're going to to and I think we all should be informed mainly to how our biases sort of play into mm-hmm. to the decisions or the ideas that we have with the people we come in contact with was it hard was it like I know it was hard because it was <laughs> awkward but I mean I mean I'm going back 
to two being a student, like, I won't take no elective that I'll be able to pass. So, like, right. I mean, was there, like, hard tests and all the things sort of wrapped mm-hmm. in it? Like, or was it more hands-on and you just are really engaged? It was very hands-on. Um, we did have some tests, but I know at one point, like, uh, for one of our classes, we're given a book to read, and we would go through and kind of in groups discuss the book. And it, it was a book that was focused on trauma. Um, and so there's a lot of different parts to it and it was hard because you're given a lot of work to do, but every, it was never an assignment that was just like, Oh, this is just a silly assignment. Like so it's no 50 a- page, you know, single spaced, uh, you know, no. report or all that. I don't hey, look, so. I know how college kids think, <laughs> <laughs> you know, how bad do you really, you know, especially in sort of that way. But I think there is a set of students out there that would be very curious. Um, they would just sort of feel, well, I don't know if it fits. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah, if you're curious in it, I would assume that it fits. So how did you sign up for it? Did you talk to your advisor? How did, how did that work? For yes, you. my advisor is the one that had mentioned the program to me, um, and so she was able to kind of direct me towards signing up for the classes. Um, and so, yeah. How many semesters did you do, or how many classes were there for you? Um, I'm trying to remember. There's four classes or four semesters? Four, cl- four, four classes. classes. Yes. So if you <laughs> took a class a semester, it would be... Oh, math is hard. <laughs> it would be two years. You could stretch it out over yes. over two years. Like, or I guess do you offer, is there summer options? There are summer options. Okay. And some are offered within the same semester as well. So if someone's listening to good things and maybe they're not the student, but they are, they're now texting or calling whoever is at a university, should they just tell them, Hey, you know, send your advisor an email, ask them about cast. I mean, you know, that sort of thing and go, would that be the easiest way to sort of and go from there? And then they would know if it's definitely here on uh, MSU campus. Cause it's, it's for sure here. Yes. I w- yeah. I would reach out to your advisor. Um, cause if they don't know someone or if they don't know how to do it, you know, someone within the, um, human development, um, field can help in social work as well. Super cool. Well, congratulations to you. Where are you working now? I'm here. I'm working with the TIPS team, the Trauma-Informed Parenting and Professional Strategy. So you would be our teacher? No, I'm, oh. not, a, I'm not a professor. Oh, not yet. I, I might I might show up and help with the simulations, oh. but I'm not teaching yet. But not yet. But not yet. But you do great. All right. I appreciate your time. Sophia, you guys stick with us. we got a little bit more good things for you coming up next. Feel the touch of a precious child And know a mother's love It's a little chicken fry And cold beer on a Friday night A pair of jeans that fit just right And the radio up I like to see sunrise See the love in my woman's eyes Feel the touch of a precious child And know a mother's love Rebecca Turner. She's smart and pretty. Good Things with Rebecca Turner continues on Super Talk Mississippi. Worked all week, got it all done. Let's make the Tennessee River Welcome back to Good Things. Don't forget, you can watch us on your computer, your mobile device. Just head on over to Super Talk TV. Remember, we're not in the studio. We are coming to you live from the MSU campus. We're bringing awareness to all the good things the CAST Child Advocacy Studies training is doing. I hope you're as excited as I am about going back to school so we can take this uh, training. But we're going to round out our day learning about all the good stuff that's coming from it. Joining us is Ted Cross. He's a senior research specialist who really dove into um, those that had gone through the program here in Mississippi and then how it 
Advocates Faring for Being Advocates for Children. So, hey, Ted. Hi, Rebecca. How are you? I am doing well. I am learning all the pieces to the Mississippi uh, Children's Advocacy Centers and how they created CAST and, you know, creating this workforce out there that is really um, centered around being uh, great advocates for children. And I think that's a great thing. So you went back and sort of researched, uh, I guess, how is the program doing? So what did you find? How great are we doing? Well, we surveyed 608. I've got some of the numbers here. We surveyed 618 um, college and graduate students in Mississippi to learn about the impact of CAST. We included both students who were in CAST programs and other comparable students, like psychology and social work students, who were in schools that, who had not yet adopted CAST. Those were the comparison students. And we had some very, very interesting outcomes of our study. First of all, we learned that the CAST students really, really valued the program. Not because it was easy, but because it was hard. They were actually learning about child abuse. The, in, in some of the learning was through simulations of real experiences dealing with families who were affected by child abuse. It was often a role, an emotional roller coaster, and they, they didn't mince words. They said it was hard, but they got through it and they learned. And they had a really deep experience of what it was like to deal with these families and understand these families. And they valued that. That was our first finding. Ted, we just talked to Sophia, who was a student here at MSU, who said that just that, just watching her own bias be confronted, watching sort of the class sort of change perspective. So that sort of lines up with, you know, those hard simulations really giving you a different perspective on what the work entails and then what really is going on in those situations. So you just confirmed that for her or for us. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, A second finding is that CAS students really had better knowledge, a statistically significant difference compared to their non-CAST peers. They really knew the system better. They actually even knew the system better better before they took their CAST courses. They probably because they had a little more experience, more interest, um, and, and more prior knowledge. So one of the benefits of CAST is to really draw together and support those students who really, at a young age, you know that they want to be out there helping kids. So that is a really important effect of the program as well. And right. uh, go, go ahead. No, I was going to say yes. I mean, you would think if a workforce better understood the system they were going into, they would be a more effective workforce once they got out there, right? They would just be a few steps ahead instead of having to catch them up once they're out there in the field. Right, right. Uh, And a third finding really pertained to those students who had really invested and were taking uh, a whole set of CAS courses through the CAS certificate and minor programs. We looked at the students both at the beginning and at the end of the, the semester. We took survey data at the beginning, and then we came back to them at the end. And we presented them with a series of scenarios that have been used in previous research with professionals, scenarios in which they were presented with information about a hypothetical case, and they were made, 
they were asked to make a judgment about whether abuse had occurred and how they should respond. And we found that the CAS students' judgment improved over the course of the semester. So they were really getting that first introduction to being a professional, to know, knowing how to respond to these cases. And we thought that was a very important outcome. Well, Ted, it sounds like you had nothing but good things or found nothing but good things from the students who went through the CAS program. In terms of Mississippi, I mean, are we are we leading the way in the CAS program? Tell us how great we're doing. Yes. There's, uh, Mississippi has the only statewide uh, CAS um, initiative. There are more schools providing CAS by far than in any other state. And uh, the uh, Children's Advocacy Centers of Mississippi deserves enormous credit in making this a statewide program and not just a program limited to individual schools. Well, Ted, I totally appreciate your time. I appreciate all the hard work you've done in your research. It just goes to show what we've learned today is that CAST Child Advocacy Studies training is a good thing. It's doing good work, and we hope people who are interested in it will learn more about it, which they'll get to do because the boys are coming up next with Sports Talk from 3 to 6. But Rhino and I will meet you back tomorrow at 2 or Monday at 2. But until then, I hope you all find time for the good things. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.